Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope that this message will both teach and encourage you. Here's today's message. I'm at work. <laughs> I know in uh, in this service, here you go, Steve. In this this setting, I'm the I'm the kid. Bob, long shot. Uh, how? <laughs> however, at work. Uh, I wear it as a badge of honor. I'm the oldest member of the South Lake Fire Department. Uh, older than the chiefs, older than anybody else. And I really consider it an honor because I'm the oldest and I'm still a line guy. But those young guys, they mistreat me. They mistreat me bad. First off, they call me old. Talk about gray hair and such as that. And uh, <clears throat> we've got a couple of nursing homes in our district. Well, they tell me, BT, when you get there, you just stay in the engine. It doesn't matter what's going on, you just stay in the engine. I'm like, well, why is that? Well, they might not let you leave. <laughs> They'll think that you knocked one of us in the head and took our T-shirt and call yourself a fireman. They're not going to let you leave. They're going to lock you back up in the memory care unit. I said, well, I wouldn't know the code to get out anyway. So, So they mistreat me bad. And then they talk about my accent, you know. Um, I'm real. I'm real cautious about what I say when I'm talking on the radio because uh, you're broadcasting it to not just South Lake units, but Colleyville units and Keller units and West Lake units and whoever else might want to listen. So I'm real. Uh, I'm slow, precise. I tell them what I need to tell them. I think about what I'm wanting to tell them, and they they just criticize my uh, my accent. It's just horrible. One night we're going to a structure. Well, we got dispatched to a uh, fire alarm. We run residential fire alarms every day. That's probably the other than EMS. That's probably the biggest thing we run. So one night it's raining, and they dispatched engine three, which I was on to residential fire alarm. Smoke detectors in the second floor. All right, no big deal. We get these all the time. Well, we have a policy. That when we go to fire alarms, you have to put all your gear on, right? Our air packs are in our seats, so we don't put our air pack on until we get there. Usually dispatch, nine times out of ten, they call back and say, hey, the alarm company is called, you can cancel the alarm. But we still have to make scene to, you know, verify that there's not a situation. So it's late one night, we're going to this fire alarm, engine 403 from alarm, 403. Be advised the residents were calling, and we're getting multiple smoke detector activations, and the resident says that there's smoke on the second floor. Okay. Most guys, that would probably send them through the roof in excitement. Ah, we got a real fire, you know, either excited or scared to death. Receive. I just pushed the button. Receive. Go ahead and tone them out. That's all I said. And they're like, BT, you're so cool, man. You're so cool. You don't get excited for nothing. I'm like, yeah, but I'm old. (laughs) Yeah, that'll teach them. It was real cool this morning. Uh, We have a new kid. Today was his very first day. Uh, He came in, and uh, funny because these kids, you know, they look like teenagers, pimple-faced, you know, (laughs) all young. Yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. I'm like... Okay. So I thought that was kind of cool. Here I am, the oldest fellow in the department, been in the department longer than anybody else, fire services, and here's this new kid. And I said, man, this is awesome. I'm glad I get to shake your hand on your very first day. 
that you get to start a whole career, a lifetime of excitement. And he was just excited. Yither, yither, yither. Keep that momentum with you. Speaking of accents and terminology, uh, I've never been real good about pronouncing stuff. Uh, I kind of pronounce it just the way that I can see it, okay? So this message today is, uh, I don't know why for years, Philemon is all I ever called that was Philemon. But I've come to learn, my wife has told me it's Phil, it's uh, Philemon. That's what it is, Philemon. So if I call it Philemon, please forgive my ignorance, you know. And this other fella we're fixing to talk about, Onesimus, I can I can I can ruin that name all day long. So as we're reading, please forgive old Brian for not being able to read right and just poor pitiful me. Philemon. 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 One chapter, it's about a uh, guy that was a slave. Onesimus was a slave. Philemon was his master. And Onemesis had left. Well, as he left, he found Paul. And when he found Paul, he was introduced to the gospel and gave his life to the Lord. And that's kind of the backstory. So we're going to pick it up at verse 8. Therefore, although in Christ, this is Paul, although in Christ, I could be bold and order you to do what you ought to do. And he's talking to Philemon. Yet I prefer to appeal to you on the basis of love. That's pretty... You can stop right there and, I think, preach a whole message on appeal to you on the basis of love. You know, when we deal with people out of love, that they seem to be a little bit more receptive to you because they can sense that, that love. And it's a whole lot better than coming up and being confrontational about it. But he's, he's doing this on the basis of love. Going on, it says, It is none other than Paul an old man, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while he was in chains, while I was in chains, sorry. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and to me. I'm sending him to you. Paul had an obligation, a legal obligation, to get him back. I am sending him to you, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to have kept, I would like to keep him with me, so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do would not stem from forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a while was that you might have him back forever. No longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So, if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, I'm writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back. Not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. 
Confident in your obedience, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I ask. I want to talk to you just for a little while about five points of forgiveness that we can see in this this little story. Point one is for real forgiveness receives the offending person back into one's life. When someone has done you wrong and they've come to know the Lord, they've they've asked the Lord into their heart, they're genuinely sorry for what they've done, then we are obligated, I think, in a way to give them back. Verses 10 through 12 says, I appeal, that I appeal to you for my son Onipasus, Onipasus, who became my son while I was in change. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both you and me, and I'm sending him who is my very heart, back to you. world doesn't seem to understand that type of forgiveness, do they? They have a philosophy, and it's kind of an easy philosophy. If someone has hurt me, then it's real easy to push them away, to build up a barrier and say, no, I'm not allowing you back into my life because you've hurt me. And I get that, I totally do, but when someone has given their heart to the Lord and they've come to know Jesus and they come back to you, then we should receive them back. As a Christian, as a fellow member of our of our family, shouldn't we? And that's what Paul was wanting to do. Uh, typically the world would want to build a wall and get rid of them. Romans 15 and 7, I don't know if I have that up there. Yep, It says, accept one another, then just as Christ has accepted you in order to bring praise to God. We are to forgive them and take them back because that's what Jesus did for us. And I thought about that. And when I was reading the story about Paul's, you know, if, hey, if he's done you wrong, credit it to me. And when you talk about bringing them back in the fold, uh, I was thinking, how many times have I failed the Lord in my life? In my little 58 years, it's, it, you can't even count them. And it reminds me of the story when Jesus, the, they had brought the lady that was caught in sin. And the elders are like, we need to stone this woman because she's done this right. And they asked Jesus, what would you do? He's writing in the, in the dirt, you know. Okay, you're right. So, who among you has not sinned be the first one to cast the stone? Who was the first one to leave? The older people. And then it finally got down, and Jesus looked up, and there was nobody left. And he told her daughter, forgive you, go. Don't do it no more. But he forgave her. And I think about that in my life. How many times have I failed the Lord? And I say, Lord, you know, I'm sorry. I have messed up. Please forgive me. And every single time, he always forgives me, and he welcomes me back into the family. Even though I deserve the worst. Let's turn that around as a worldview. What if um, Jesus said, you know, I gave you that 70 times 7, and I've, I'm way past that. And, and you failed me 71 times times 7. And I'm sorry, no more. How horrible would that make you feel? That'd be horrible, wouldn't it? So the example that Jesus gives us is that 
we're to forgive and we're to accept our brothers and sisters back into the kingdom of God. We all have people that we know. Some of us have children that we know that are away from the Lord. And if we don't love them, who else is going to love them? The world's going to love them for sure. And it's not going to be the right kind of love. And they'll gravitate to that. But as, as mothers and fathers and friends and loved ones of people that have failed, we need to love them. We need to show them all the love in the world. And if we can do that for them, how much more should we do it for people that have turned their lives to Christ and given their heart to the Lord, whether they've done us wrong or not, and no matter how horrible they've done it, that we should forgive them and bring them back into the fold, right? A lot of amens right there. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Point number two. Real forgiveness realizes that God is at work even though there's been an offense or even through an offense. Verses 11 and 15 and 16, it says, Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful to both me and you. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that he may... Have, may have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He's a dear, he is very dear to me, even dear to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. If Philemon was ever going to be successful at forgiving Onesimus, he needed to focus on what God had done in this life. How many times is it? easy to focus on the wrong and i'm guilty that you know when you hear something the very first thing you think of is the negative connotation of what happened you know um driving down the road somebody cuts in front of you or they speed past you or whatever you know it's like well they don't know what they're doing their blinker must not work you know they're blah 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 then i sometimes i step back and think you know well maybe they're maybe they need to get to the hospital real quick you know maybe there's something going on that i'm not aware of and they, you know, they're in a situation where they need to do this. Cut them some flack. I do it all the time too. So, but in order for him to get bring real forgiveness, he needed to realize that that something was going on here. And we as also need to know that that it may situation may seem like, man, what in the world can good can come from that? And in the moment, and we might not ever know it here on this earth, but one day in heaven, we may get to see the real story behind the story. And realize, you know what? God was really working all the time. And he can take that sin. He can take that hurt. He can take whatever's happened to us. And although we may consider it bad at the time, but you never know, it may turn good for us. How many times has somebody done something to you, or you've done something, or something's happened in your life, and at the moment you just didn't understand it, and then years later in your life, something comes along, and now you realize, hey, I learned from that mistake. I learned from this situation. And now I can have a heart of love because I've gone through this same thing. I can sympathize with you because I've done this before. And then it looks back and like, well, you know, Lord, it was a bad situation. But I learned from that situation. And you did something in my life that helped me help others. God can take evil and do good from it. For the Christian, right? The choices are is we can either focus on what has been done to us or we can focus on what God can do through the situation. 
Lord, I don't understand why I'm having to do this. I don't understand why they did this to me. But Lord, I'm just going to trust that there's a reason that you're allowing this to happen to me. Amen. Amen. Number three, moving on, before I put you to sleep. Real forgiveness releases the person from obligation. Verses 17 through 19 says, So if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing to you with my own hand. I will pay it back. Do not mention, not to mention that you owe me your very self. If Philemon was ever going to forgive, he had to release Onesimus from the obligation that he owed him as a, as a runaway slave. He had to forgive that. He, he owed that to him. Emotionally, we must release people from the obligation of, of what they've done to us. Because the freedom that we can experience in our own lives is when we forgive and let it go, we experience freedom there too. So we owe it to them as an obligation. Luke 27. Do I have that up there? Yeah. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. You all know this one, right? This is one we really don't want to hear all the time. Love your enemies and do good to those that hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. We all know this one, right? Do to others as you would have them do to you. That's a hard one to follow, isn't it? When people take your stuff. First thing you want to do is go beg get your stuff back. I know I would challenge, I'd be challenged with this one too. But we have an obligation to forgive. Sometimes we just need to say, okay, you must have needed it a whole lot worse than I needed it. Thank you, Lord. Never know. In that situation, we may get paid back more than what we had lost in the first place. It's all about the attitude, how we take that attitude with what we've lost. Number four, real forgiveness receives, I'm sorry, recognizes the personal obligation that we owe to others. I think this is a really important one here. Verse 19, it says, I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. Paul had acknowledged that Philemon had a legal claim over Onesimus' life because he was his slave. But he also reminded Philemon, hey, you've got a debt to me because I was the one that led you to the Lord. We see a story, it's not in there, but we see a story and we all know it very well in Matthew chapter 18 about the king that wanted to settle all his debts, right? Well, he had the one servant that owed him a huge amount. The guy couldn't pay it no matter what. So he went before the king and he said, man, I'm sorry, I can't pay it. Okay, I forgive you. So he lets him go. That same servant goes back out to his fellow servants one of them owed him just minute amount compared to what he had owed. And he didn't want to forgive him. And he had him thrown into prison. So the other guys are like, man, that's, that's not right. So they go and tell the king, hey, this dude has been doing this. So the king calls him back in and says, how can you do that? How can you not forgive this, this minor thing that 
that you were owed, and I forgave you of this big debt. And then he took him and threw him in the jail. How much more of a debt do we owe the Lord? Wow. I better get back on my notes. This is how our Heavenly Father wants us to do to others. To forgive from the heart. Forgiveness is an obligation. It's not one of those, uh, maybe I want to, maybe I should. You know, maybes about it. It's, it's an absolute obligation. Because if we can't forgive, how can our Heavenly Father forgive us? And that's hard sometimes to do, especially when someone has hurt us, is to forgive them of that sin or that wrong against us. Even if it's another brother or sister. Sometimes Christians can hurt other Christians worse than the sinner can hurt the Christian because as Christians, as, as sinners, you, you should expect sinners to do sinner things, Right? So that's just their nature because they're in a sin nature. Whereas a fellow brother or sister that's supposed to have a new nature, new creation, they may have hurt you in some way, hurt your feelings, you know. They may not have meant it, but they hurt your feelings. We're obligated 100% to forgive them of that failure and that sin or that hurt that they've caused us. Because if we can't forgive them, then our Heavenly Father can't forgive us. And going beyond that, think about the freedom that you experience in your own mind and your own heart when you forgive someone. Now that anger, that bitterness, I don't want to sit on that side of the building because they're over there. That goes away and you become friends again. <laughs> Evidently, Loretta don't want to sit on this side of the house. So. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but we have to forgive because it's it's something that's an obligation as a Christian to forgive. And who can say hallelujah? Well, we're not there yet. Yeah, we are. Who can say hallelujah? We're on point number five. Real forgiveness <laughs> refreshes others by exhibiting a readiness to forgive. Verse 20, it says, I do wish, brother, that you may become that you may have some benefit from you in the Lord. I'm sorry, I'm mumbling these words. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. Paul is finally asking, refresh my heart. Do me some good today. When I hear that Onesimus is coming back and you've forgiven him that debt. Now you're working with him and living with him as a fellow brother, not as a servant master. That does me good. That brings joy and peace to me. That's what, that's what he was asking for. Do that for me, man. When we forgive as Christians, we can be refreshed. And we can refresh others. Imagine if you had a debt. Some of us have home debts. Some of us have uh, cars. Whatever debt you may have. And that people that own that debt come to you and said, You know what? I, I just forgive you. It's all gone. How good would you feel then? You know? 
it'd be awesome if somebody come and paid all your bills off and did. And the same can happen to the person when you say, you know what, Lord, I forgive them. And if they come to you and say, man, I've, I've messed up, please forgive me. And you say, you know what, it's okay, I forgive you. There is a refreshing, there is a release from the Lord that comes. I had a young man uh, at Station 2. Station 1 is real active. We do uh, exercises together. We train all the time. We had a young man at, at Station 2 that hurt his foot. And uh, he didn't want to do the PT test because of his foot. But he would take all the overtime he could get. He could he'd do all the work he could. And so we kind of called him out on it. It's like... You know, you, you can't do this, but you can work. And the department's new policy is if you can't do that, then you can't work, period. But they were cutting him some slack because he hurt himself. Well, we wasn't cutting him slack because uh, there are several of us. I'm older. i got knee issues. You know that. And you just struggle through it. Another guy has hip issues. He did it. He did it right. He did it slow, but he did it. So when you got guys that are doing this when they're hurt... And someone won't do it because they're hurt. And we were calling him out on it, just just really dogging the fella pretty heavy. So when I was preparing for this message, Lord whispered in my heart, Brian, you need to go ask for forgiveness. And then the scripture talks about if you bring your gift to the altar and you realize that You've wronged someone. You need to go make that right and come back and offer your gift. Thank you, Lord. I'll do that next shift when we get to work. If you don't do it now, you'll forget about it. Well, I won't forget. I know it. I need, you know, you really need to talk to this guy. If you don't do it now, you won't, you won't do it. Man, I'm telling you, it was hard for me to pick up that phone, look up his name, and push that sin because when it started ringing, he said hello. I was on the hook then. I, there was no turning back. And he knew we had been dogging him hard. So I said, Daniel, <clears throat> I've got to ask you to forgive me. I said, uh, I've been saying some things that were critical of you, and uh, they weren't they weren't very nice things. And I apologize. And he goes, I know you did. And it wasn't very nice. And I said, you're right. Absolutely right. I'm not defending myself at all. And I didn't. I didn't bring a defense into this. There was no excuses. And he said, BT, he said, I forgive you. He said, I respect you even more today because you were humble enough to call me and talk to me about this issue. And I said, Daniel, I, I appreciate that. And then it's like all that weight that was on my heart just kind of melted away and it's like now I didn't dread coming to work and running into that company of men especially him you know because I knew by our conversation and more conversation that we had that day that he had truly forgiven me and we had worked this situation out but I had the obligation I felt refreshed I felt refreshed when it was done and I don't know if it helped Daniel or not. I'm sure it did, but it, it sure enough helped me to get past that. Unforgiveness is a poison, right? 
And we live in a society where asking for for forgiveness is kind of foreign sometimes. They always want their pound of flesh. You've wronged me, so I want my due. Schools are full of people wanting to be lawyers because now if you look at somebody the wrong way, they want to sue you. Or if you call a a lady, yes ma'am, you know, and she don't identify as a ma'am that day, then she's mad at you. It's, it's, it's really, we laugh, but it's that, it's that, that's very true. And it can be that trivial that someone wants to call you out on it. Call the chief, hey, he called me ma'am. Were you a lady? Yeah, but I want to be a man. Okay, you know. Chief has, hey, don't call that lady a lady no more. Call it a it. That's what we want to do. Back when I wasn't very careful with my language, I had a young lady that was uh, drunk as a hoot owl. And we'd picked her up in the ambulance. She'd been in an accident. We are taking her to the hospital. And I, you know, simple question, ma'am. You know, what's your name? Blank you. Okay. What's your name, ma'am? I need, I need it for the report. That way I can... I, this is a simple question, right? I'm not being derogatory. Well, you. We get to the hospital. We put her on the cot. Take her in there. Put her on their stretcher. What's her name? You. <laughs> That's not my name. That's not my name. <laughs> That's what she told me twice. So That's what I said to the lady. Forgive me, Lord, for that. One of the last things Jesus told, said when he was hanging on the cross, he said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they've done. If anyone had the right to retaliate, if anyone had the right to be mad, it was Jesus when he came to this earth, to the very people that his father had called, these are my people. These people have destroyed the name of God in a way and made it a market. So he should—he could hate every reason to be mad at these people, to bring down wrath from heaven for what they had done. And now they've beaten his body. They've spit on him, called him every name. Now they've crucified him. And he had every right because he was the perfect Lamb of God, sinless. But what he said was, Father, forgive them. And that's what we have to do as Christians today. And so in conclusion, the best part of the service, right, Steve? In conclusion, we need to receive the offender back. As a Christian, we have to receive them back. And love on them as if they had never done anything wrong to us before. We need to realize that God can work in any situation, and especially situations where people have hurt us. It may be that someone has offended you, ask for forgiveness, and then the two of you become best friends for life. But you never realized that when you were in the hurt. But we just realize that God can help us, even in the bad situation he's at work we need to release them from any any obligation you owe me nothing I forgive you and you owe me nothing you don't have to pay me back nothing because I forgive you 
we need to realize that we have an obligation to forgive others. That's an obligation that we cannot be released from. And then we need to realize that true forgiveness can be refreshing to both sides of the story. It can refresh the person that's asking for forgiveness, and it can refresh the person that is receiving the forgiveness. Amen? So true forgiveness. I hope you got a little bit something out of this today. Let's pray. I'll pray for the dinner too. Is that okay, Steve? Lord, we thank you for your goodness, your mercy, your many blessings. Father, we thank you for this one chapter book in your word. Father, when first read Philemon, Father, it's like, why is this here? It's just a story between Paul and Philemon about a slave. But Lord, we can take your word and we can learn from it. We can learn forgiveness, Father. And Lord, I'm speaking to a group of Christians, Father, people that have been forgiven themselves and know how to forgive, Father. But let us never get too complacent to the place to where we can't forgive others for anything they've done to us, Father. Help us to have an open heart to see what it is, Father, that you want us to do to the people around us, Father, that may have offended us even for the silliest of things, Father. To release them from from you, release you from them, bring refreshing to their spirit, Father. And we thank you for that. Lord, we thank you for this time of fellowship. We pray that you'd bless it. Pray for the food, Father, you'd bless it to the nourishment of our bodies. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.